Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. All right, fantastic. Hey, um, we've been in a series over this last, uh, well, today's week four. We'll finish it today called Living Large. And our senior pastors, our global senior pastors, Pastor Ashley and Pastor Jane have preached into this brilliantly. And I know you've been blessed by it. And so today, really, I just want to compliment uh, what they have already spoken and just pray the Holy Spirit just deepens it in your heart even a little bit more. But we've been talking about the multiplication power of God. How He, you, he wants you to experience multiplication in your life. He wants you to, to see the multiplication of influence, of, of peace, of resource, of joy, of authority, of favour, of giftings, of effectiveness, of reaching those around us. Ultimately, God wants you to experience His multiplication power. And um, you would remember, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, the Pastor Ashley, he, he spoke about the story of the Tower of Babel or Babel depending on tomato, tomato, potato, potato, right? It doesn't really matter. Well, however you uh, say it, in Genesis 11, and he shared with this this story of the Tower of Babel, and he said that um, often it's preached or often it's shared about or viewed from the perspective that they were wanting to build this big tower out of a place of pride. But as Pastor Ashley was teaching us, he explained to us that what they were doing was actually building it out of a place of small-mindedness. Essentially, their desire was to do what God didn't want them to do, and that was to settle. God wanted them to multiply, but they wanted to settle. So let's read it again in Genesis 11, verse 1 to 2. It says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a place in Shina and settled there. Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered or multiplying all over the world. You see, their motivation wasn't to do something grand. Their motivation was to do something that would allow them to settle. And here's the thing, church. Settling is the enemy of multiplying. Settling is the enemy of multiplying. See, when God saw what they were up to, when He saw that they were desiring to settle, He was like, what on earth are you doing? That's the worst possible thing you could do. I want you to multiply. And so when He saw them settling, He came down. And as we know in the story, He confused their languages and He caused them to scatter. And effectively, they were forced to multiply. See, the reason why God didn't want them to settle, and He doesn't want you and I to settle either, is because He knows when we seek to settle, we are misrepresenting Him to the world around us. When we seek to settle, we are misrepresenting God to the world around us. See, whenever we seek to settle, it's like we're saying that we have already come as far as we can go in our relationship with God. When we seek to settle, it's like we're saying to those around us that we've reached the limit of what you can experience with God. When we seek to settle, it's like we're saying there's no more to see, there's no more to do, there's no more to experience. We've reached the pinnacle of what there is to be found in Jesus Christ. 
And all of those things are a gross misrepresentation of God. Because the truth is that no matter what you've seen God do, no matter the the experiences you've had, the encounters that you've had with God, the miracles you've witnessed, there is always more that God has for you to take hold of. If you are willing to seek after Him. Now there's a moment in the Gospel of John where Philip introduces his friend Nathaniel to Jesus. It's found in John chapter 1, verse 45 to 51. We'll read it together. It says this, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we've found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you're the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you'll see all see heaven open. And the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now, I love this interaction between Jesus and Nathanael for a couple of reasons. The first reason I love it is because it's a great reminder to us that Jesus already knows all about us. That even before Nathanael had an interaction with Jesus, Jesus already knew all about him. Now we hear that in church a lot, but it's amazing how when the Holy Spirit asks us to do something that we haven't done before, how quickly we forget that. Because often when we're asked to do something that perhaps pushes us a little bit out of our comfort zone, the first response is often, God, I don't feel qualified for that. God, I don't have that gifting. I don't have that talent. I don't have that ability. And we we begin to tell God, perhaps you've chosen the wrong person. But what we forget is hang on, God knows all about us. And God's not handing out assignments from a place of ignorance. It's not like God has two bowls in heaven. One bowl's full of assignments, one bowl's full of names. He pulls out a random assignment, pulls out a random name, puts them together and hope it works out, right? No, if God gives you assignment, it's because He knows what's in you and what you can achieve with His help. So the next time He gives you something to do that feels a little bit uncomfortable, instead of saying you can't, remember, God already knows that you can. Amen? That's just a little extra for someone who needed that today. That's the first thing I love about this. But the second thing I love about this interaction is how Jesus responded to Nathanael. You see, when Jesus says to Nathanael that He knew certain things about him, Nathanael's amazed. He's like, wow, that's incredible. Wow, you are the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And Jesus says to him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under a fig tree? I tell you, Nathaniel, you're gonna see even greater things than this. Essentially, Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, you think that's amazing? Just wait, because there's a whole lot more where that came from. You see, I wanna encourage you this morning that when it comes to your own life, when it comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to what God has in store for your ministry, your calling, your family, your business, your future, our church, this campus, you need to know that the same is true, that there's still a whole lot more that you can tap into. 
there's still a whole lot more that God wants to do in and through your life. It doesn't matter what miracles you have witnessed, what encounters you have experienced, what dreams you have seen fulfilled when it comes to what God can do. I believe that there is still so much more. Amen. I love what it says in Job 36, 22. It says, God's power is unlimited. God's power is unlimited. That means that there's, there's no end to it. It is beyond measure. Just when you think you've seen it all, God will show you that there's always still more. You know, in 2 Samuel 11, David, who is God's chosen king over Israel, he, he has a moment in his life where he makes a big mistake. If you're familiar with the story, you would know that David is king over Israel and he sent all the soldiers off to war. And David should have gone to war with them, but he decided to stay back, to stay in the palace. The Bible says one night he is walking on the roof of the palace and as he's walking out there, he's looking out and he sees a woman bathing. We come to find that her name is Bathsheba. He sees her bathing. Now, she's a married woman, but her husband Uriah, he was one of the soldiers and he was out at war. So she was home by herself. And David, who should have just looked away and done something else to distract him, he falls into temptation. He decides that he wants to lay with Bathsheba. And so he orders that she's brought to the palace and that's what happens. He, he sleeps with her and he finds out a little bit later that she fell pregnant. Now David, he doesn't want anybody to know that this has happened. And so he schemes up an idea that would hopefully cover his tracks. And so he calls, he orders that Uriah come back from the war. He comes back and he says, Uriah, you know, you, you, should just, you should just go and spend some time with your wife for a little bit. He's thinking that if he laid with his wife, that he would just assume that she got pregnant from her husband. Well, he, anyway, you're following the story. I got myself mixed up there. But anyway, David's thinking that if, he lay, if Uriah lays with Bathsheba, then he would think, oh, she got pregnant from me. The problem is Uriah, he's too loyal to his soldiers and he's like, well, I can't go home to just relax. You know, I need to, I need to still be at war because my, sol my, my soldiers, my comrades are still at war. And so he refuses to go home. And so David, he doesn't know what to do. So he comes up with another idea, one even worse than the first. He orders that Uriah go back to war, but he sends a letter at the same time, unknown to Uriah, to his commanding officer named Joab. And in that letter, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send Uriah out to the front line. But when he gets out there, I want all the other troops to withdraw so he's out there alone and he'll most certainly be killed. So that's what happens. Uriah goes back. He gets sent on the front line. All the other troops withdrew and he's out there by himself and he's killed. And David, he thinks, you know, I've, I've got it all sorted out now and it's all good and no one's gonna know. And so he decides, well, I'm gonna take Bathsheba into the palace, make her my wife. And so he did and she bore him a son. And so David thinks, you know, it's, I've sorted it all out, but what he didn't realise or what he forgot at the time is that God had seen everything he'd done. And so God, who'd been watching his every move in response to his sinful acts, he sends a prophet by the name of Nathan to rebuke David and tell him of the consequences he would face for the sins he has committed. 
And in part of the rebuke that God sends through the prophet Nathan to David, he says this in 2 Samuel 12, verse 7 to 8. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arm. I gave you all Israel and Judah and if it had all been too little, I would have given you more. God's saying to David, David, I gave you everything. I gave you more than your heart's desire. When you were a little shepherd boy out there in obscurity, I took you from obscurity and I blessed your life with everything. But if there was a part of your life where you were still dissatisfied, where you still felt unfulfilled, all you had to do was ask and I would have given you more. You see, somewhere along the line, David had forgotten. David had forgotten that all he needed was in God. I know this because it's the same David who penned in Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Somewhere along the line, something had changed. Somewhere along the line, instead of pursuing God, David had settled. David had settled and when he settled, it made him vulnerable to fall into sin. He started getting a taste for other things instead of pursuing God. See, I believe that's one of the reasons the Holy Spirit wants to remind us that there's more to experience through God so that we don't settle but we keep pursuing Him. We keep chasing after Him because it's only in Him that you'll ever find the things that really bring you life. See, when we stop seeking Him, we start pursuing other things and they only rob us of life. But when we pursue Him, we find all the things that fill us with abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life abundant. He wants you to have abundance in every area of your life. He said in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And He will give you everything you need. God's heart is to give you abundance in every area of your life, but it's important to know that it's only found on the other side of seeking after Him. Incidentally, that word seek used here in Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. That word in the original New Testament Greek is the word zateo. And by definition, it means to go for, to aim at, to strive after. What it tells me is the posture of someone who is seeking is not passive. To seek is an action. It's an active thing that we do. It's taking all that you are, all that you have and focusing it on Jesus and pursuing after Him above everything else. It's making a decision that on every occasion, I'm gonna put aside every distraction. I'm gonna take hold of this opportunity. I'm gonna reach out and seek after Jesus because He sought after me. You know, there's a story in the Bible about a woman with an issue of blood. The Bible tells us for 12 years, she 
dealt with this issue and she tried everything she could to find a solution to it. She saw every doctor, she spent all the money she had. And at the end of it, it tells us that she didn't grow any, didn't get any better, she just grew worse. Then one day she hears that Jesus is passing through her town. And perhaps she had heard about some of the amazing miracles and, and healings that Jesus had performed in people's lives. And, and so when she heard that she was, He was in her town, she decided, I'm gonna stand by the roadside and, and maybe He'll pass me by. She's standing by the roadside and after some time, she looks up the road and, and she hears this commotion going on. And she looks up there, she sees a crowd of people. As a crowd of people get closer to her, she recognises in the middle of the crowd is the one they call Jesus. As she recognises Jesus, she realises in that moment she has a decision to make. The decision is that she can either just remain where she is, stay there and hope that perhaps Jesus would stop and lay His hands on her and pray for her, or she could take hold of the opportunity. She could push through the crowd, she could reach out and she could touch Him. And in Mark 5, 27, we see her decision. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind Him in the crowd and touched His cloak because she thought, if I just touch His clothes, I will be healed. And as soon as she touched the hem of His garment, the Bible says power went out of Jesus into her life and she was radically healed in that moment. It's awesome. But there's something, there's something I want to bring your attention to. Notice how it tells us in the text that she came up behind Him. She came up behind Him. You know what it says to me? It says that on that day, Jesus wasn't necessarily headed in her direction. In fact, Jesus was headed in an entirely different direction. In fact, Jesus was headed in a, towards an entirely different person. See, if you go back in the text a little bit, you'd find before this uh, woman had this interaction with Jesus, that a little while before that, a synagogue ruler by the name of Jairus had come to Jesus and begged him to come to his house to heal his daughter who was sick. And Jesus said, yeah, I'll go. And so that's where Jesus was actually going. He was going to the house of somebody else. And the reason why there was a crowd of people around Jesus, because they wanted to see what would happen when he got there. And so Jesus wasn't necessarily coming her way that day. So what that says to me, it means that if the woman had made a decision just to settle, to not seek actively after Jesus, most likely she would not have received her miracle. But because she did reach out, because she made a decision that she was going to seek after Jesus, her life was changed forever. And we are still talking about it over 2,000 years later. She sought after Jesus, said, here's an opportunity. I'm not gonna let this opportunity pass me by. I'm choosing to seek after Him. Perhaps the keys could join me. You know, if you've been in church for some time, there's a particular verse that I'm sure you would have heard many times before. It's Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. All right. 
You know, some of us have probably heard that so many times that now we've almost become a little numb to it. Like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. But can I encourage you, whenever you read the Word of God, whenever you hear it's spoken, that you receive it like it's the first time you've ever heard it. That you receive it like it's, wow, I've never heard that before. That's amazing. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. That's incredible. Wow, that changes my perspective on this situation. That changes my perspective on what's going on here. Wow, that's amazing. More than I ask or think. See, sometimes we get so familiar with this stuff. And here's the problem with that. Just like settling is an enemy of multiplication, familiarity is an enemy to the miraculous. It stops us seeing the truth of that promise in our life when we get familiar about the things of God. See, all you have to do is look at the time when Jesus went to His hometown to know that this is true. Whenever, if you read that story in Mark chapter 6 or Matthew 13, it's pretty clear to me that when Jesus went to His hometown, He went there to do something incredible. I believe He went there to turn that place upside down with, with deliverance and healings, the power of God. And yet it tells us that by the time He left, in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, it says, because of their unbelief, He couldn't do any miracles among them except to place His hands on a few sick people and heal them. The reason why He couldn't do what He desired to do, why He could only just minister to a few sick people was because the people had become too familiar with Jesus. It says in the text, it says that they just saw Him. They're like, aren't you, aren't you just the car, Joseph's son? Joseph and Mary's son and and. And aren't you just a carpenter? Like, like, you're just like one of us. And because they got too familiar with who Jesus was, they didn't see Him for true, who He truly was. They missed out. They completely missed out. Now, we know that they missed out because that story is recorded for us and we're reading it in hindsight. But I wonder if they ever knew they missed out. I wonder if they come away from that moment going, did you see what Jesus did? He just healed a few people. That was incredible. And they ended up celebrating something that Jesus was disappointed about. You know, what a tragedy to be in the presence of God. The one whom you could experience something amazing and miss it. Because unlike the woman, instead of having a heart to seek after Him, you just let Him pass you by. You know, just like this woman and just like the people in Jesus' hometown, each time we gather together, we each get to decide how we too will respond. Each time we come into the presence of God, we get to decide, will we seek or will we settle? Will I seek after God? Will I take hold of this opportunity or will I settle? I encourage you, one leads to abundance, the other leads to lack. Seeking Him leads to abundance. Settling leads to lack. But every time we're in His presence, we get to choose. How will we, we respond to Him? There's a time recorded for us in the book of Amos. I was joking with the first service. It is a book called Amos, by the way. We don't share out of it that often. It's in the Minor Prophets right there. 
There's a time recorded in the book of Amos where the nation of Israel find themselves under the leadership of King Jeroboam II. And Jeroboam was the son of Jehoash, who was the previous king of Israel. And, and Jeroboam ruled over Israel for 41 years. And his name actually means God increases the people. And so you might think that he was a great godly king, but unfortunately, the opposite is true. Because instead of leading the people to seek after God, Jeroboam led the people to seek after man-made idols. And in response to his sin and the sin of the people, God sent a number of judgments and messages through a prophet named Amos with the hope that his warnings would cause them to turn from seeking idols and instead put their heart back to seeking Him. And amongst the many messages God spoke through Amos, there was one in particular that jumps out to me. It's found in Amos 5 verse 4 to 6. And this is what it says. This is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Bathsheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. But seek the Lord and live. Now, when you read that, you might think, you might sort of, it's maybe a little difficult to understand the significance of what God is saying. So let me explain it to you because this is very powerful, right? There's three places that God encourages Israel not to seek after. They are Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba. The question is, why would God highlight these three places? What's significant about these places? Why is He saying, don't seek after them, but seek after me? Well, the significance of these places is that they were places where God had revealed Himself previously to significant people. It was in Bethel that God had revealed Himself to Jacob. It was in Gilgal that God had revealed Himself to Joshua. It was in Beersheba that God had revealed Himself to Abraham and then his son Isaac. And in each of these three places, a shrine had been set up to commemorate those moments. And so when God says to them, don't seek Bethel, don't go to Gilgal, don't journey to Bathsheba, but seek me and live, what He's saying is that what you need cannot be found in old encounters. He said, it can't be found in what, what God did in your life yesterday. He said, that abundance, that life is found in what's ahead and is seeking continually after me. Seek me and live, says God. Live in abundant life. You know, Matthew 5 verse 6, it says, blessed, joyful, Nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who actively seek right standing with God for they will be completely satisfied. Church, nothing will satisfy you like God can. You can chase after all other things and you might feel like there's a lot of things that promise this is what you need, that is what you need. And for a moment, it might make you feel good, but it won't last a lifetime. The only one who can fully satisfy every area of your life is God. And He's saying, keep seeking Me, keep pursuing Me. 
When we settle, we misrepresent Him. When we settle, we miss out on the best that He has for us. But when we seek and when we pursue Him, all the things will be added unto us. And I just felt today the Holy Spirit wanted to stir our faith, not to settle, but to keep pursuing Jesus because there's always more, more miracles, more souls, more impact, more resource, more encounters, more power. There's always more if you seek after Him. And so this morning, I just want us to give an opportunity with the time we have left to seek Him, to press into Him, to worship Him, to pursue Him. And so would you just stand up on your feet with me today? I'm gonna ask the team to come. Church, you will never miss out pursuing Him. You will never lose out pursuing Him. He wants to bless you. He wants to fill you with abundance. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, He wants to take my time. He wants to take my resource. He wants to, no, He doesn't. He wants to bless you. He wants to give to you. He's given us everything. He pursued us with all His heart. Jesus pursued us to free us, to, to give us life. He laid down His life. He pushed through every barrier. He, he shed His blood in pursuit of us. What are we doing in pursuit of Him? How are we honouring Him? How are we worshipping Him? How are we pursuing Him? He's worthy to be pursued with our whole heart, not half of our heart, not part of our heart, our whole heart. He held nothing back from us. And I pray that we would hold nothing back from Him. And maybe, maybe today the Holy Spirit's been just highlighting some things into your life where you've been pursuing more than God. You know, we're all, we're all victims of that at time. We all make that mistake. We all allow other things to distract us or pull us away, but now's an opportunity. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I'll put you back in your rightful place in my heart. I pursue you like you pursued me. I thank you. You're worthy of my highest praise and all that I am. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. 
Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.